0: Uh, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which was all of chapter 7. And you, you might remember I gave you four points. And the first point of last week's text was the resolution. Say that. And that was in, in, we looked at that in verse 1. And there Paul, what he does, he urges the Corinthian believers to make the firm decision, a resolution to turn from the unclean things that defile them, their lives, and to seek God's holiness. Now, the second point was the request. Say that. And that's in verses one, 1 through 4. And Paul asked that they make room for them in their hearts. And he wanted to uh, be in their hearts because they were in his heart. He wanted, listen now, he wanted to be reunited with them in mutual affection. In fact, he's ready to die with them. That's what the text says, and live with them. The third point was the relief. Say that. The relief, that's in verses 5 through 7. And uh, he, he describes, Paul describes his great relief and joy at what he finally did hear from Titus about the Corinthian believers' response to the letter that he had written them. And the fourth point was the repentance. Say that. And that's in verses 8 through 11. In Paul's contrast, what he does, Paul contrasts godly repentance with worldly repentance. And then in verses 12 through 16, Paul, what he does, he rejoices. He rejoices in the fact that the Corinthian believers had experienced a true repentance that was marked by a change in their behavior, a change in their actions, a change in their attitudes. This now brings us to today's text, and the title of my message today is The Grace of Giving. Everyone say that, The Grace of Giving. Now this chapter, what it does, it marks the beginning of a new section in this letter. Chapters 8 and 9 provide the most extensive teaching on stewardship of giving to be found in the New Testament. So Paul's concern is that the church understand its responsibility to give generously and to give wisely, and so what he's about to do, Paul's about to take an offering, and he's asking the Gentile churches to support the mother church in Jerusalem because they were suffering financially, and it was to help out the poor in the church in Jerusalem. Now, why were they suffering financially? Because many of the, of the Jewish believers lost their jobs. Follow me be here now. Their employers didn't like the fact that they were converted to Christianity, therefore they fired them. And since they lost their jobs, they also lost their homes and land, therefore they were in great need. And not to mention a terrible famine that had come upon the land that was prophesied by the prophet Agabus in Acts chapter 11, verse 28. Acts eleven twenty-eight. 28. So that came to pass. So in chapters, listen now, in chapters 8 and 9, what Paul talks about, he talks about money. He talks about giving. Now, some things about money. First of all, money is not a bad thing. Everyone say that. Money is not a bad thing. It, it's not evil. Now, I want you to write this down. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. 1 Timothy 6, 10. And Paul writes, for the love of money. Not money, but the love of money, right, is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, listen, friends. Money is neutral. You got that? Money is neutral it all depends on how you use it and there's nothing wrong with making or even having money but it becomes wrong when it has you when it controls you and i've always said money's a good servant but a terrible and lousy master now the bible talks a lot about excuse me a lot about money not as much as some preachers talk about it <laughs> but the bible talks a lot about money and how we are to handle it or in some cases how it handles us if we're not careful And you see, when it comes to money, it all depends how you and I use it. And someone said this, money is like manure. Pile it up and it stinks. Spread it around and it will make things grow. Someone say amen to that. Now, if you're saved, say amen. You can use your money wisely, listen now, to make things grow, to invest wisely, and to invest spiritually in a wise way. Now, I want to say this. Though these principles that we see, that we're going to see here in chapters 8 and chapters 9 apply to special offerings, they also apply as well to our regular giving. Got it? Got it. So three points from our text. If you're ready, say yes. Number one is this, the illustration. Write that down. Say that. The illustration. Because what Paul does, Paul begins his appeal by pointing to the examples set by the churches of Macedonia. Now, the churches in Macedonia were Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Those were the churches. And they were not wealthy churches. These were not wealthy people, friends, but they had a great reputation for being incredible givers. You guys with me now? So look at verse 1 with me. And Paul writes, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace of the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. I'm going to read that again. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God, the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So what, what does Paul mean by that, about the grace that God has given the churches? Well, giving is a work of God's grace in us. You got that? Giving is a work of God's grace in our lives. It's the ability to give. And the heart to give is a free gift from God. Now, now, follow me here. It's a gracious thing that God is going to give them, these churches, the opportunity to give financially. Listen, giving to help other Christians in need was itself the result of God's grace. So real quick here, we have a lesson. Are you guys ready for the lesson? Say, yeah. Okay, here we go. Grace makes grace. Say that. Write that down. grace makes grace. God gives us his grace, listen now, and in response, we become gracious people. Got it? God gives us his grace, and in response, listen now, we become gracious people. And he demonstrates, listen now, Paul demonstrates, he demonstrates, excuse me, he, God, demonstrates his giving to us, therefore we give to others. Now, I want to say this. Unfortunately, some Christians have a problem giving, but don't have a problem receiving from God. And, and I got to, that's a sad commentary. There are some folks who, well, I'm a believer, but, you know, they, they have a problem giving, but they don't have a problem receiving from God because God is one who gives, right? Now, I want you to follow me here because I'm going to give you three sub points right here under point number one. And I want you to notice that they, speaking of the Macedonian churches, gave, write this down, sacrificially. Say that. They, the Macedonian churches, gave sacrificially. So I want you to follow me in verse 2. And this is what, what Paul writes. Out of the most severe trial, did you get that? Severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in what? In what? Rich generosity. So these churches, obviously, they struggled greatly, right? They struggled. They were poor. They were in severe trial. They struggled greatly, but they gave abundantly. And not only gave abundantly, they gave sacrificially. They gave out of a great trial and poverty. They were incredibly joyful, even though they were desperately poor. It's all about attitude, friends, right? It's the attitude. And what comes to mind, as I read this, what comes to mind is, is the poor widow in, chap- in Mark chapter 12. Write that down, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And you might know the story. Jesus is at the temple, and he's there, and he's watching people. Okay, He's just just watching people in the temple, and he's watching people putting money in the temple treasury. And so as Jesus is watching people, these rich people walk up, and they put large amounts of money into the temple treasury. Now according to tradition, before putting the money in the treasury, they, speaking of rich people, would sound a trumpet or make an announcement before they put the money in. So they stand there and say, I'm so-and-so, and and I'm giving such amount of money, and they would put it in there or sound a trumpet or something like that, according to tradition. So Jesus saw that. Then Jesus noticed a poor widow. And she put in two small copper coins. We call them two mites, which totaled three-eighths of a cent. And then Jesus, what he does is he sees that he calls his disciples over say, Hey guys, come here. Come here. I'm paraphrasing that, but hey guys, come here. Okay. And he says, "I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all listen. To what he says? They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty. In other words, her lively, her livelihood, and you see, she gave sacrificially, even though she hardly had any resources. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? You're never too poor to give." Say that. You're never too poor to give. And and there are some Christians who think that they're exempt from giving because they have a limited sum of money, limited resources. And, you know, sometimes we get the idea that, you know, the time to give is when or if we win the lottery. Or when we get a bonus at work or when things are going right and smooth in our lives. Not so here. Not so here. The Macedonians as the text says, were what? They were poor. They were not wealthy. They were poor and going through tough times, yet they gave what? Sacrificially, abundantly, so that others, others might be helped. I love the fact that they were others focused. Right? Now if you're saved, say amen. Giving to God, this is my point, giving to God is not about being rich or being able to afford it. It is out of the abundance of our relationship with with God. How much His grace we have experienced, right? Verse 3, stay with me now. Paul says, for I testify that they gave as much. Did you get that? As they were able, and (laughs) going to blow your mind, and even beyond their ability. And I love this, entirely on their own. The idea is not that they gave way over and above what they could afford, rather that they gave, that they knew, listen now, what they could give, and they gave a little more besides. The point being, if if, if these other poor Christians could give beyond their ability, what Paul said, they could give beyond their ability, then the church in Corinth who were not poor, they were wealthy. The people in Corinth were wealthy. He says they could give as well. I mean, these guys can give, and they're poor. You can give, and you're wealthy, right? Now, notice the end of the text there. He says entirely on their what? On their own. Paul hadn't pressured them, right? He didn't twist their arm, right? No. They gave on their own. I love that. That was their heart. They wanted to help people. They had a heart of grace. They experienced the grace of God, therefore they wanted to give back to others entirely on their own. No pressure, entirely on their own. So they gave sacrificially. The next point is this. Next sub-point, excuse me, sub-point is they gave urgently. Write that down. Say that. Urgently. And then I want you to look at verse four with me. And Paul says, they urgently, there it is, urgently pleaded with us, For the privilege, say privilege, of sharing in this service to the saints. So so they were excited. (laughs) should blow your mind. They were excited about their opportunity to give. To give. Paul didn't have to beg them. Instead, listen, how they were pleading with Paul for the privilege of giving, listen, of giving to receive the gift. And though they didn't have much to give, they really wanted to give. It was a desire of them. They saw it as a privilege to give as a desire, not a duty. Now, get this. They weren't trying to get out of giving. They wanted to get in on giving. And I love that, friends. Question, does that describe you? Are you one who wants to get in on giving or get out of it? (laughs) Huh? Now, can you imagine anybody Nowadays, begging for the opportunity to give. Begging for the opportunity to give money. I mean, can you imagine that? That would be awesome, right? Just can't wait to give. Give urgently. Listen, when your heart is free, when your heart is free, friends, you no longer feel like you have to hold so tightly to your money. In fact, you actually start looking for ways to give even more. And that was them. They gave sacrificially. They gave urgently. And the third sub-point, write this down, they gave spiritually. Say that. They gave spiritually. And then I want you to look at verse five with me. And they did not do as we, what, expected, but they gave themselves first to who? Come on, first to who? First to the Lord and then to us, Paul's saying him and his associates, in keeping with God's will. So before they gave any money, the first they first gave Their hearts to God. The first thing they did, they gave their hearts to God. That's why they were such good examples of giving. They were sanctifying their contributions to God's honor by first giving themselves to him. And then, and then after giving themselves to God first, they gave their hearts to Paul and Paul's associates. You see, their giving wasn't about legalism. It was about lordship. Got it? It wasn't about legalism. It was about lordship. And this is what makes Christian giving different from any other kinds of giving. Giving spiritually is giving first to God because you got to get this now because all resources come from Him. They do. So giving is directly, is is directing His resources back to Him for His distribution because it all belongs to Him, anyways, right? Listen, when we give ourselves first to God, when we do that, friends, we then give him all we have according to his will. You see, whatever we use or lay out for God is giving to him what is his own. He owns it to begin with. So in giving, the real issue isn't giving money. And you got to get this. The real issue is not giving money. It's giving all of ourselves to God. That's it. If we really give ourselves to him, then the right kind of giving will naturally flow. Right? What I love about the Macedonian Christians, the churches, is they jointly, unanimously, and spontaneously made a fresh, I love this, a fresh surrender of themselves to God. They were totally surrendered to God. They gave themselves first to God. So question that being said, are you totally surrendered? Listen Christians, are you totally surrendering, surrendering excuse me, yourself to God in every single area of your life, including your finances? Think about it. We are called to surrender ourselves to Him completely, in every single area of our lives. The thing is, sometimes we want to give God this area. yeah, you can have that area of my life, God and that area, but you can't have this area. We are called to totally surrender to Him, everything. Amen. So that's the illustration, number two. Point number two is the instructions. Say that. The instructions. Write that down. Now, in light of the amazing examples of the Macedonian churches, what Paul does, and I love this, Paul now urges the Corinthian believers to respond, to respond. You see, he's using the earnestness of the Macedonians as a way of testing the earnestness of the Corinthian believers. So four sub points. If you're ready, say Yes. Notice, they, speaking of the Corinthian believers now, we're talking about the Corinthian believers now, they are to give, write this down, knowingly. Write that down, say that. They are to give, Paul says, knowingly. Knowingly. So we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And Paul says, So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace. Is that word say act of grace? On your part. So apparently, Titus had gotten the Corinthians started in collecting for this gift. Now, let's look at verse 7. But just as you excel, you got to get this now. Just as you, Paul's talking to the Corinthian believers, just as you excel in everything, then he lays it out. Okay, in faith, you're excelling in that. Great. In speech, great. In knowledge, great. In complete earnestness, great. And in your love for us, great. You're excelling in those things. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. So they were excelling in faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, and love. Great, you're doing great in that department, but guess what? You're not doing so great in this grace-giving department. And that's why he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And Paul's like, don't forget, grace-giving is related to the spiritual life, and don't forget to excel in that as well. Stay with me now. Giving knowingly is being spiritually, listen now, friends, spiritually aware that the Christian life is more than just giving of our time, of our talents, of our commitment to preserving the unity in the church and witnessing to others. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's giving of our finances as well. Giving of our finances is related to the spiritual life. It's an important part of the Christian life. Can I I have a witness? (laughs) Amen. If you're saved, say amen. Listen, you can abound in faith. Great. You can abound in faith. You can abound in knowledge. You can know the word of God like the back of your hand. You can say all the right things. You can even, listen, be earnest in the things of God. But if you're not giving, if you're not giving what rightfully belongs to God, your maturity in Christ is incomplete. Someone said this, a healthy Christian walk involves your wallet. A commitment to Christ involves the commitment of your money. So Paul says you, Corinthian believers, are to give knowingly. And then the second sub-point is give willingly. Say that. Give willingly. Look at verse 8 with me. I am not commanding you. Now, you got you got to get that. That's got to sink in there, right? I want you to understand that. Paul says, "I'm not commanding you, but I want to test your what sincerity of the love of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others so Paul wasn't commanding them to give to the poor in Jerusalem, but if they did, if they did, it would show in their love for them it would show that their love for them was legitimate that it was sincere listen, he wants giving Paul wants giving God wants giving to be voluntary. do you guys get that okay? Now, Paul could have pressured these people to give, right? But he didn't. That wasn't Paul's heart. Unfortunately, some pastors are like that, but that wasn't Paul's heart, right? He didn't do that. He says, I'm not commanding you. You're going to give voluntarily. You're going to give, you're going to give out of your heart. So here's the lesson. Are you ready? Here's the lesson. Giving shouldn't come from a feeling of pressure. Giving shouldn't come from a feeling of pressure, Right? Unfortunately, there's some pastors out there and some on TV who make people feel guilty and, you know, they, they say things that, to, to pressure you to give. And, well, that's not biblical. Are you guys with me? You are to give voluntarily. You are to give as God moves in your heart. We're going to talk more about that next week. Now, someone asked me the other day, how are we doing financially here? We're not doing good financially. Uh, since COVID, our finances have dropped drastically right? It has. I mean, it has. So we're not doing good financially. But I'm not going to sit here and pressure you to give or make you feel guilty to give. No. Listen, God's got to move in your heart to give. I'm not God. God's God. And God is the one who's going to have to move in your heart if you're not giving to give. And if, and if you don't give, you don't give. I, I, I'm not going to pressure you to give or make you feel guilty. It's between you and the Lord, right? But you should never feel pressured to give. And we'll talk more about that next week. Got it? Say got it. Verse 9, verse 9, notice here that Paul, what he does. And I love this. He gives them another example. First of all, he gave an example of the Macedonian churches, right? How they gave, right? He illustrated that. Notice now, verse 9, Paul gives them another example of giving. So let's read on. For you know the grace, there's the grace, say the grace, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Christ was rich. Now this is referring to his glory and honor that was eternally his in heaven before he came to earth, right? Got it? Yet for your sakes he became what? Poor, so that you through his poverty might become what? Rich. That we would become rich referring to our eternal inheritance. That's what it means. Got it? Jesus became poor. Listen now, friends. He gave up his heavenly glory and came to earth to live as a man to suffer and die. And Paul's point is this, that the Corinthians, like Christ should give of themselves for the sake of others. Follow me here. Jesus is the motivation for sacrificial giving. Got it? Because he first gave himself sacrificially and willingly for you and for me. Therefore, all of our giving, if we're believers, all of our giving should be done in the shadow of that understanding. That means, that, we, listen, that means when we see a need, when you see a need in the church, we remember what Christ did for us to motivate what we do for others. Let me put it this way, okay? Why do we forgive? Why do we forgive? Because he has forgiven us. Why do we love? Because he first loved us. Why do we give? Because he gave his life willingly and sacrificially. He showed us how. Listen. He showed us how to forgive. He showed us how to love. He showed us how to give, and that's why we give the way we give. He set the example for us. Verse ten. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give but also to have. Listen out the desire. To do so. So, Paul, right here, he's referring to what he wrote to them about the collection back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You might remember that if you were in our series in 1 Corinthians. Okay, they not only started to do it to collect the offering, but they actually wanted to. And that's a good thing. Now, I want to I point out two things here, two key words in these verses. And, the, and, and one of them is love, say love, and desire. Love and desire, okay? Paul says the sincerity of your love, right, in the text. And he says this, the desire to do so. Listen, when you love and desire someone, giving willingly is a natural response. Right? Is a natural response. You don't got to tell me to give willingly to my wife. It's just a natural response because I, I love her and I desire her. That's what, it's a natural thing that flows from our life, right, when you love someone and desire someone. And you see what Paul is doing here, he's talking about attitude. Say attitude. It's all about having the right attitude when you give to God. Now listen, I've said this many times, the amount of what you give is not as important as your attitude when you give it. And if you love God, and if you love God, and if you desire God, then you're going to give with the right attitude. It's an attitude of thanksgiving. In other words, what you're doing is you're reflecting on Him and thanking Him for what He's given you. And with that attitude, your natural response is to what? Give back to Him. There's a willingness in your heart to give. And so if you love God and you desire God, then Giving is a natural thing that will flow from your life. Yeah? So here's the lesson. Are you ready for the lesson? God sees the heart gift, not the hand gift. God sees the heart gift, not the hand gift. He sees the attitude, not the amount. He looks at the heart. Amen? We're going to talk more about that next week. All right? It's the heart, it's the motive, it's the attitude, it's why you're giving. How you're giving, right? Not the amount. So they are to give knowingly. They are to give willingly. The third sub-point is they are to give realistically. Write that down. Say that. Give realistically. If you're still with me, say amen. And then Paul writes this. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be what? Matched by your completion of it according, and got to get this, according to your means. Underline that, according to your means. Paul isn't trying to get them to mortgage their houses to give to this offering, okay? He's not doing that. And he's like, finish what you start, man. Give according to your means. And you see, friends, intentions to give aren't much good without doing it. You can say, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give. So what? (laughs) Right, do it. And that's Paul's point here. Good motives are not enough. There must lead. They, they must lead to good actions. In other words, what Paul's saying here: "Say, hey, put your money where your mouth is. Do something about it." Verse twelve. And notice the principle for giving is laid out here. Look at verse twelve here. Here's the principle for giving: For if the willingness is there, the gift is what? Say it. Acceptable. Acceptable. What? According to what one has. You got to get this now not according to what he does not have. That's the principle for giving. It's right there. And this is the same principle of proportionate giving that Paul spoke about, spoke about excuse me, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. We covered that, friends. Listen now. You are to give what you can in proportion to what God has given to you. Get this. God evaluates your faithfulness. In giving according to what he has already given to you. And I want to say this. Grace giving, and we're talking about grace giving here, right? Grace giving is not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Got it? So that's why we don't compare our giving with someone else. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Now, because it's a sacrifice, that means you're going to have to make some Sacrifices. Now, if it doesn't hurt a little bit, all right, if it doesn't cost you anything, then it's not a sacrifice. And I love in in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, write that down. David said, I will not sacrifice the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. Did you get that? God wants you to give, He wants us to give, but He wants you to give responsibly, right, sacrificially. And do that by giving realistically and to give according to your means. Now, what you give may be a little. And your mind say, you know what, it's not much. So I'm going to give it. But when you hand it over to God, it becomes much. See, that's the thing. Some of us, we say, well, I can only give this. Well, give it. And God can take what you give. Might be little, but he can make much of it, right? In John chapter 6, verses 8 through 13, you might know the story. Right? You might know the story. There's 5,000 plus people there, and Jesus has got to feed them, and his disciples are freaking out. And one of them says, Hey, we found a kid with a lunch pail, a lunch bag here, right? Okay, have two fish and five loaves, right? And so Jesus gets it, and he multiplies it, right? And feeds. So he took two fish and five loaves and fed over 5,000 people. Can you imagine? But the boy's response to the mom said, How was your lunch meal? Hmm? God can take what you have, which is little, and make much of it. Yeah? Now, I want to say this, I think I need to say this. Preachers or evangelists who say, "Even, even if you don't have any money in your account, just write a check by faith. They talk like that. I don't know why, but right? That's not biblical. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. You Ready for the lesson? Here we go. Give what you can. Give what you can. Give what's in your heart to give according to what you have, not what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have, but you can give what you have, right? And I don't know what you have. You don't know what I have. But I'm going to give what I can according to the means, right? My means. I'm going to give according to that. Again, we're going to cover all that more in depth next week. So they gave knowingly, willingly, realistically. And they gave the fourth subpoint. They gave confidently. Write that down. They gave confidently. And I want you to look at verses 13 through 15 with me. I don't know why. It's every time we talk about money, it's always quiet in here. <laughs> you can hear the crickets, man. is it true (laughs) it's all good though right it's part of the text though right it's part. we only preach about money when we do a stewardship right a series or when it is part of the text that's when we do it right and it's part of the text got it verses 13 through 15 our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed. Notice I want to stop it because Paul's saying, I'm not telling you to give to the believers in Jerusalem so that they will be living in luxury, and you guys are going to suffer. No, he's not saying that. But that there may be equality. You get that? Verse 14. At the present time, your plenty will... Now, you got to get this. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need, then there will be what? Equality. So Paul's point is, as your abundance supplies their need, one day, one day, their abundance will supply your need when you're in need. Got it? And then what Paul does, he quotes Exodus. I don't know if you noticed it, but Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. Write that down. Exodus 16, 18, about the gathering of manna of manna in the wilderness. And look at verse 15 with me. As it is written, he's quoting this now. He who gathered much, speaking of manna, did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. In other words, there will be no lack. Did you get that? There'll be no lack. God provided equally for each family's needs. Everybody's needs, everybody's needs. Needs, not greeds, Needs will be met. And he provided for their daily provision. And unfortunately, we know the story, right? Some tried to hoard the manna, right? Warren Wiersbe said this, and I love it. The lesson is clear. I love this. Gather what you need, share what you can, and don't try to hoard God's blessings. Don't you love that? You see, when we we as believers, when we give knowingly, willingly, and when we give realistically, we can give confidently. We give, listen, this, this is it. We give trusting in God's daily provision for our lives. Right? Now, I want you to write this down, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke 6, 38. It says, give, say give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be will poured, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you see, it will be measured to you. Now, write this down. I love this verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. And Solomon writes this, and he says this, Ecclesiastes 11, 1, says, cast your bread upon the waters. Got it? You're casting it. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Casting means, listen now, you gotta get this, casting means open-handed generosity. Listen, French, you're, you're either going to be like this with your money or like this, tight-fisted or open-handed. Solomon says, this is how, casting means open-handed generosity. When you give generously, what, what he's saying is that God gives back to you abundantly. And it's not necessarily finances, spiritual blessings, peace, joy, right, all those things. Now, if you're saved, say Amen. There is something remarkable about god's faithfulness in bringing a number of benefits and blessings right back to us in our life when you and I give and the natural inclination is this that we we well if I give i'm going to get back financially, yeah, you might, but there are greater blessings than that right peace of mind that's what we need right Number three here we go is the individuals write that down say that the individuals because There are three individuals who were commissioned to handle, and I love this, to handle the finances, to take them to the church in Jerusalem. Verses 16 through 24, Paul says, I thank God who put into the heart of Titus, and I love this, the same concern I have for you. Verse 17, for Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but, I love this, but he is coming to you with much, what? Enthusiasm. And on his own initiative. Got it? Titus didn't need to be asked. He went on his own decision, his own initiative. And I love it when people see need and they seek to fill it without having to be asked. Some of you here, I I tell you, I I won't mention your names because, but there there are some of you here right now that and I love what I love about you is that you will see a need in the church. You'll see a, a member who's in need. And, and, and you won't come up to me and say, Pastor Arnold, oh, guess what? So-and-so needs help. Man, that's okay. I get that. But what I love about some of you here is that you don't even come to me. You just go straight to that person and you meet that need. I love that. I love that. And that's Titus. He knew the need. He went and he wanted to meet that need. And if you see someone or know someone within the body of Christ, who's in need? We're talking about legitimately who's in need. And you can meet that need, then do it. Then do it, right? And I've been so bold at times when someone comes, they pass around, so-and-so's, and souls, and he like, well, then meet it. Then meet it. We're part of the body, right? And I love that about Titus. He didn't need to be asked to do something. He just did it. Verse 18, and we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. Well, we don't know who this guy is. So you have Titus, you have this guy, some believe it's Luke, we don't know. Could be, we can speculate, some believe it's Luke. So you have Titus, right, you have this guy, who some say it's Luke, we don't know. Verse 19, what is more, he was chosen by the churches. You got that? He was chosen by who? To accompany us as we carry the offering. Paul's saying that, which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. Now, the churches didn't do the choosing. I mean, excuse me, the churches did the choosing. Paul didn't. They're the ones, the churches, that chose those to bring the offering. And what this does, this adds to Paul's financial responsibility and integrity. Right? He doesn't go through the churches collecting funds and then disappears without any accountability. Verse 20, we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of who? Man. So what Paul's doing, Paul's saying, we're providing for that which is ethically right. Not only to God, Paul says, but also to men, to what? To eliminate any possibilities of accusations. Because when it comes to money, people do funny things with money, right? And he avoided the things that would cause scandal. And friends, I want to say this. It's important for a church or for any ministry for that matter to handle their money in an open, responsible way with integrity. And I believe, this is my belief, I believe pastors and their wives should have nothing to do with the handling of money in the church for integrity purposes. You agree? Say amen. Verse 22 In addition, we are sending with them our brother. So, this is another unnamed brother. We don't know who this is. So, it's Titus, could be Luke, we don't know. And then you have this guy. So, three guys, right? Who has often proved to us. In many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. Verse 23. As for Titus, he is my partner. We know this, right? Partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches in an honor to who? Christ. It's all about Christ. Honoring him in the exchange of finances. And then what Paul does... We're going to wrap this up here soon. Then, what Paul does, Paul closes by saying, Guess what? Corinthian believers, prove your love. Let's prove your love for these people. If you really love them, you'll give to them. Prove your love. Well, verse 24, therefore show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. Right? In other words, what Paul's saying, here we go again. Put your money. Where your mouth is. Don't just say you're going to give, but give. Do it. Do it. So, as we wrap this up, friends, and I just want to close with this. When it comes to the end of life, my life, your life, the question will be how much have you given? Not how much have you gotten? That we would be generous givers, as the Macedonian churches, learning these wonderful principles, how to give. Give what you can. I will not guilt you or press you into giving. You give what you can. Give what's in your heart for the glory of God. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank You for Your Word.